that time. The Sports Talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Happy Thursday to you. Just days away from the Final Four. Kentucky's fourth in five years. We are getting closer and closer. We're going to talk plenty about the matchups on Saturday. Obviously, Kentucky and Wisconsin will get our focus for good reason. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about the the other game that that day, Duke, Michigan State, uh, Kentucky, and Wisconsin will tip off after that game comes to an end. Who would be the better matchup for for Kentucky if Kentucky were able to get by Wisconsin? We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, we'll talk about matchups in the UK Wisconsin game. Who guards Kaminsky? Who guards Decker? Who guards Kentucky one through five? There's a lot of mismatch problems, I think, uh, across the board. I don't know if these teams match up well against each other on both sides of the ball. John Calipari, Bo Ryan met with the media today, and so did uh, a student athlete from each team in the Final Four. Willie Cauley-Stein represented Kentucky. So we'll talk a little bit about what they had to say. Nothing really earth-shattering coming from the press conferences today. It does seem that Bo Ryan and John Calipari have a solid relationship. Uh, And they had some nice give and take in that press conference. Very stormy day today, Trevor. It's thunderstorming. Lightning, rain, hail, golf ball size hail. I think we might be in the, in the midst of a severe thunderstorm morning. Uh, not the prettiest today, but spring showers bring May flowers. So uh, this is uh, the first big storm of the year. Also happening in this area is I, I think Barack Obama's in Louisville today. Trevor, is he not? Uh, I think I did hear something about that. I'm not the most political person, so I, I wouldn't be the exact person to ask that question to, but I did think I saw on one of the social networks he was going to be in town. And today was one of the few days with the weather that I didn't complain about the Indiana drivers driving slow across the bridge and getting my way here. I was going as slow as everyone else in Indiana drives slowly when as slow as they drive when it's beautiful weather outside. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting uh, hit by that hail too. I thought, I thought I was getting, there was a truck in front of me. And I thought I was getting debris for a minute. I was just knocking on wood that I wouldn't get a cracked windshield. That, Sounds scary and awfully dangerous. I had to... Whatever they, I got to do to come and do the show with you, man. Hey, yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate the effort. I am already... I've had a busy day. Uh, I'm, I'm generally not as busy as you all may think. But the last two or three weeks have just been ridiculous. Late last night, Kentucky football decides to change their mind and have a spring practice today instead of originally scheduled on Friday. Not only do they plan to have it today, they plan to have it much earlier today. Brett and Alex are in Indianapolis, so they couldn't cover it, so I had to go to it. Uh, And there was, man, there was not a lot of media there. If it was Charlie Strong... Uh, back in his old days at Louisville, he would be none too pleased. There were probably only seven or eight media members there, maybe less than that. Uh, but Mark Stoops spoke with the media. Again, nothing too earth-shattering coming from practice today for Kentucky football. Uh, but plenty of time to digest Kentucky football and talk about that after this weekend. Something that really jumps out at me, and, and again, I, all right, I'm going to make a conscious effort to do this. If you want to call into the show, and we had quite a few calls yesterday, even a surprise call from uh, Yates, who we hadn't heard from in a while. We 
the number is 502-384-1450. So if you want to call in, before I forget, that's the number. It should be a good show. You're so uh, enthusiastic, to... TJ. I mean, you need to calm down, buddy. I, 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 I'm new to the to the calling in thing. I've I've got my I've got my niche. It's people tweeting to the show. I read the tweets when I can. And, and yesterday there was a few times where you popped up on my screen saying, "Hey, we've got a phone call," and it kind of changes that the dynamic of the show. And I've got to get used to that. Uh, but I, I want to do it. I, 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 I think it'd be fun, especially with summer coming around and basketball season coming to a close. Uh, I think it, it, it'd make the show a little more entertaining. I think it'd make the show a little bit easier for me, to be honest, if we can establish some sort of caller, uh, caller base. So uh, that's the number. I got to remember it. 502-384-1450. Call in if you've got something to say about this weekend's game. Later in the show, we're going to have Jeff Rabjohns on from Rivals. He covers Indiana, uh, but he was up at the McDonald's All-American game. That game was last night. Uh, I had obviously left before the game. He was up there, though. We'll talk to him a little bit about recruiting. And then we had him on last year before the Indianapolis Regional between Kentucky and Louisville and obviously Michigan and Tennessee at the time. Uh, to, to tell us and tell the UK fans listening some of the hot spots in Indy, UK fans should be awfully familiar with Indy as is playing there last year in the regionals and then uh, opening up against Kansas this year. But he'll come on. He'll tell us where UK fans should go, what to look for in Indiana. Uh, they're, they're in the – it's politically maybe not the best time to be living in Indianapolis uh, as they've been in the news over the past 10 days. We might ask him about that a little bit. It seems that that's getting cleared up, which is good news. Uh, so we'll have him on later in the show. Uh, so it should be a fun show today. And I'm excited about it. As you can tell, I'm very enthusiastic, Trevor. I don't need your sarcasm. Uh, right now on ESPNU, they're doing the Dix National Tournament. And there's a lot of UK targets playing in that that flew to New York directly from Chicago. Right now, Ben Simmons playing. He's not a UK target, but... He is a very good basketball player and, and, and certainly a fun one to watch. That's on ESPNU. Jalen Brown just got finished playing. Thomas Bryant, some other UK targets. Uh, it was not a very fun McDonald's All-American game. I watched it on TV. Uh, not not the most entertaining stuff. And the All-Star games generally aren't as good as they're made out to be. But last night was specifically, it was, it was especially bad. Isaiah Briscoe, the UK commit, looked good, though. So at least there was that. Uh, we'll, but we'll talk more about the McDonald's All-American game and a little more about recruiting later on in the show. Uh, Captain Arctic, uh, it, listen to the Cats Illustrated podcast, which any of you all can do at any time for free at catsillustrated.com, uh, and is is not happy with my takes on the Wisconsin-Kentucky game. Uh, unclear if we're going to be able to do a show tomorrow because there's some special programming on 1450 the sports bus, so I might have to give my prediction for the game later today. We'll save that, and, and I'll talk about it. We'll save that for later in the show. Uh, here's the thing that, that people need to know in this Kentucky-Wisconsin game. It's not going to be a blowout, either side. I would be just as shocked if Kentucky came in and blew out Wisconsin as if Wisconsin came in and ended UK's perfect season easily. These styles are not going to allow for a blowout. Uh, it's the final four. These are two well-coached teams, two very, very talented teams, two experienced teams. They're very similar teams in a lot of regards. It's not going to be a blowout. 
So it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to the wire. There was a fantastic stat from Chris Fisher of 24-7 that I thought was very interesting. Aaron Harrison has played 16 postseason games and has hit 36 of 76 threes in those postseason games. That's over 47%. Now, in 62 career games, Aaron Harrison is 85 of 284, just under 30%. It's an unbelievable difference uh, for the sophomore guard and, and really turns it on in March. I don't know... You know, it, it's it's tough for me to completely believe that. Hey, uh, on the big stage, he just he shoots it better. It doesn't really make sense to me because he it's Kentucky plays a ton of big games during the season, but there must be something about the tournament because those two numbers are drastically different. So he turns it on, and if Kentucky gets him going, it'll make Saturday night's game much easier. I still think we're due for a Devin Booker big game. He, he got it going in the Cleveland Regional. He hit four threes, but never never really – and credit the defenses of West Virginia. Well, you can't really credit West Virginia's defense. They were terrible in that Sweet 16 game. But credit Notre Dame's defense. They didn't really leave him by himself. And maybe Wisconsin will do the same. If Wisconsin's smart, they'll follow that game plan that you don't leave him. But I still think – if he gets some space and gets shooting and, and can get in a little bit of a rhythm, he's still due for a four or five three-pointer game. Were you going to say something, Trevor? I thought I heard I was, you coming. Yeah, what I was thinking, I was like, that's a pretty big breakout game. I mean, you're at, you're asking a lot. Four or five three-pointers in one game is a pretty big game opposed to something that would be considered routinely an average game or someone a game that someone should put up on a regular basis. Now I'm not I'm not guaranteeing that he will, and I'm not and I'm not saying that should be the norm. I, I just think that he's he obviously hasn't been great. Well, he's a streak shooter. That's I think so, we've kind of uh, grown to learn that at least at this point. And as a freshman, that's you know to come hand in hand. I mean, you don't you shouldn't expect so much consistency out of freshmen. I think Kentucky fans have learned that over the last five years. There's going to be gaps. His gap is just seems to be a little bigger than what has been the norm at some points. The thing is, he, I guess technically he is a shriek shooter because he has gone on a bit, a bit of a drought. But I just don't – I think he's a good three-point shooter. I think he's got a good stroke, and I think he's he just is a good shooter. Uh, Aaron Harrison I would consider maybe more of a shrieky three-point shooter where he's not a great three-point shooter, but if he gets in a rhythm, he gets hot. I think Devin Booker is just a flat-out good shooter that, for whatever reason, has struggled. And a, a struggling game for him could be – only hitting two threes in a game, uh, which is crazy. You know, you, you if you can have a player on any team that you can guarantee two threes from a game, you take it in a heartbeat. So a bad game for Booker at times has been maybe two threes. I think there's a game maybe against Tennessee he went two of eight or two of nine from behind the arc. Does does Booker oh, lack the ability to put the ball? I mean, you I've watched Kentucky play this year, and I, I'm just racking my brain thinking while I'm listening to you of trying to remember instances where I've seen it. And you watch Kentucky very much more closely than I have every every game throughout the season, but does he, does he just lack the ability to put the ball in the court and take it off the dribble? Because I, when, I, when I hear you talk about Booker and when I, I hear other people talk about Booker and I watch Booker, I, I kind of picture what Louisville fans kind of suffered with through Blackshear where he just wants to settle for the jump shot constantly until we saw finally it took three years and 
I'm up to oh, oh, four years, and then finally the tournament where Blackshear decided to put the ball in the court on a regular basis despite just settling for jump shots. Is that something Booker has yet to learn how to do, or and is he just and is he just at right now just accepted if you're a UK fan that he is just nothing but a spot shooter? He's, I would say at best, Blackshear would be a poor man's Booker because he was never a he never really was a great three point shooter. He's a good three point shooter. Blackshear was. Uh, and I guess maybe similar in the sense where they yeah, put I'm it comparing on. their abilities. I'm just saying the styles. It's similar in a sense. And the, and the funny thing is, I'm sure Blackshear is probably the same way in high school, but watching Booker in high school, and I got to see him in AAU, I got to, I got to see him in high school, I got to see him in all-star games. I have a large sample size. It was funny because he, he would put it on the floor. He would attack. He'd get to the rim. He'd get fouled. Uh, he was the aggressor. Um, if he if he did catch a pass, which he rarely you know caught passes in set offenses because he'd always had the ball in his hands. If he did catch a pass and he was set, he'd shoot it and he could knock him down. And uh, I, he's honestly a better three point shooter at the college level than I thought he was going to be because that was his big claim in high school was a great three point shooter. And I didn't see it in all the games mainly because he would attack a lot and, and was good at it. He has done it at times at UK, but he's not. He's not an Andrew Harrison type of guy I'm putting on the floor. He's not going to put it on the floor and blow by his guy or even get by his guy, turn the angle, and then hope to get fouled. He has done it from time to time, but it's not something he obviously is comfortable with doing because I think he'd do it more. And I think it would really help him if he – I'm not saying he needs to force that stuff – but I think it would help him if he tried a little bit because I think that could get him going offensively. I think he could get fouled. Uh, I think he could get to the line. I think he just needs at times to see the ball go in the hoop one way or the other, whether it's on a three-pointer, whether it's on a layup, whether it's a dunk, or whether even it's at the free-throw line. I think if he could get going from time to time, it would really help him not have some of these bad games. And again, I'm not trying to say Devin Booker wasn't good in Cleveland. He was. And if he had a chance to have a huge game, he probably would have. But Notre Dame did a good job of kind of nipping it in the bud. He finished with 10 points, hit two or three threes. Uh, One was the bank, which wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but still knocked it down. I I still, I I think he's, anytime you start sleeping on a player, that's when they have a a big game. And it was this time last week. Uh, Kentucky was preparing for West Virginia, and I talked about how nobody was talking about Carl. Nobody was about how Kentucky could break the press. Who needed to have a big game? Maybe this was a good, great fit for Willie Cauley Stein. Nobody was really talking about Carl Anthony Towns, and it kind of made me feel like he might not have a big game. Uh, sure enough, he didn't finish with one point. Didn't hit a field goal in a in a thirty nine point blowout for Kentucky. Sure enough, the next game he comes back and is huge. So. With Kentucky, it could be any player, any given night, and a little piece of me says it's Devin Booker's turn. So, we'll so if, if Towns is is if Bo Ryan can find a way to slow Towns down, which if Mike Bray might find this is a amazing idea, double team him when he's you know fifteen or 15, fourteen from or fourteen or fifteen from the field, you might want to throw a second guy at him possibly. But say Bo Ryan does find a way to slow down Carl Towns, which has been hard to do, is Booker the guy that gets the abundance of shots? as a result of his being eliminated from the offense? Or oh, do you look at someone else? We'll see We'll see who helps down on Towns if they do decide to double-team him. Uh, another, the coaches another, answer there, TJ. Good job. And another tough problem with doubling down on Towns is Kentucky's going to have two interior scorers on the floor at any given time. 
so if you double down on Towns, Willie Cauley-Stein could be right there possibly for uh, an easy six-footer, an easy five-footer, or an alley-oop given given the circumstance. And that's the biggest – that's not the biggest issue with Wisconsin guarding Kentucky, but it's certainly one of them is they're not a deep team, like I mentioned on the show yesterday, uh, but especially in the front court. And, you know, you saw Willie Cauley-Stein have trouble scoring against Notre Dame – but I don't know who I don't I really don't know who Notre Dame or who Wisconsin's going to put on the second post player in Kentucky, whether that's Willie Cauley Stein, who brings you a lot of size, or they decide to play Dakari Johnson, who is a bruiser, uh it can really work in the interior. I'm not sure. And also probably go also, Johnson with the size matchups, because Stein can be almost kind of a no not to sound like Chris Weber, kind of a somewhat a self check, even if he only has if he's given even if he is three inches above Nigel Hayes. Yeah, but but then you're you could make it. You, I mean, you could end up making it really easy for for Willie Cauley Stein if you're doubling down on Towns. And I'm saying right. if you're playing him straight and you're playing Willie Cauley Stein straight, then it becomes a lot easier uh, to to guard Willie Cauley Stein. And, and another question: was, there's a lot of questions for Wisconsin, and I'll, I'll come back eventually and talk about some of the questions for UK. Is do you even put Kaminsky on Carl Anthony Towns, knowing how great of a game Carl Anthony Towns just had? And you may be listening at home and saying, "Well, duh, that means ex- that exactly. You got to put your best player on him." Frank Kaminsky leads Wisconsin in scoring, I think, assist, rebounds, block shots, pretty much you name a, a, a positive statistical category. Kaminsky leads that category for Wisconsin. So you'd be thinking, and he and he's probably their best defender. So you'd be thinking, yeah, of course you put him on there. But what if he gets in foul trouble? And, and you know they're going to go to Towns after the game that he had. What if he picks up two quick ones with 16, 15 minutes to go in the first half? If you're Wisconsin, you can't afford that. You're up a, a creek. Uh, you know what creek with uh, no paddle is what you are if you're Wisconsin. You are. Uh, you certainly are. And that's why if you're Wisconsin, you got to decide, is it worth the risk? Do you trust somebody else to be able to hopefully contain Carl Anthony Towns and maybe double team him, whether that's with Kaminsky coming off somebody else? I don't think it would be because, again, I don't know if you can leave Willie Cauley-Stein wide open. Uh, it, you know, it, Honestly, a double team I think would almost work better if Dakari Johnson was in the game for Kentucky because at that point, it doesn't really. If he's wide open, then he gets the ball, and then everybody just crashes back over to that side of the ball. We've seen what Dakari Johnson has done uh, when he gets double teamed, and it's not pretty this season. Uh, so you almost would be maybe more likely to double team if Dakari Johnson was in the game with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, so you double team. I I, I I think that might be the way to go if you're Wisconsin. And on the flip side, do you have Carl Anthony Towns guard Frank Kaminsky because foul trouble is the exact same thing? Now, Wisconsin doesn't commit a lot of fouls. They're a smart team. But they also haven't guarded a big guy like Carl Anthony Towns since they played Duke and Julia Locafor, mainly because we've got probably the three best big guys in college basketball in this Final Four. So let's look at that Duke game. Kaminsky played 35 minutes, picked up 17 points, nine rebounds, and, and played smart, only committed two fouls. 
But on the flip side, that game wasn't very competitive. It wasn't very close. You have to wonder, maybe Frank Kaminsky's more aggressive. Maybe Okafor doesn't, maybe Okafor and Duke don't cruise to a win in Madison. It was a pretty early game of the season, too, as well. It was an early game of the season, but it kind of just goes to show that if you if you kind of play soft or timid, it it's it's certainly not going to help your defense, and that's not that's not breaking news for me. But Kaminsky is a smart defender. He 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 does everything in his power to play to play defense without fouling. So I think ultimately Bo Ryan's going to trust Kaminsky. He's going to trust his senior to guard Towns and not foul, but it's risky. This isn't just a regular season game where if something were to happen, you can say, well, darn. We hope that wouldn't have happened. It did. We'll learn from it. Let's not forget Reggie Miller's new favorite player, Sam Decker. Do you put Stein on Decker and uh, try to put Towns on Kaminsky? Do you you try to go with a guard on Decker who actually has the size advantage over, even which is a shock when it comes to Kentucky at 6'9"? Where do you do with Decker? He's been the, the hottest player on this team in the tournament. And that that's uh, another question. I, I think... There's a lot of questions, TJ. We do, do we have enough time? The, we, <laughs> we probably don't, and we probably need to go to commercial right now. Uh, we'll come back, and when we come back, we're going to have Jeff Rabjohns, and we'll talk maybe a little bit about the games. We'll get his we'll get his take on some of those games. He's a Big Ten guy, and there's some Big Ten flavor in the Final Four. But uh, the, the Decker thing is, is very interesting, too. On paper, I, I think if you're... You've got to just imagine, and I don't know if this is the best comparison, but it's like a game of chess, and the queen is the most dominant chess piece. It can go anywhere. It can do everything. Willie Cauley-Stein, this is going to sound bad, but Willie Cauley-Stein is Kentucky's queen piece on a chessboard. <laughs> I'm he so glad it. I'm recording this. <laughs> he, he can he can do yeah. – I can see the headline now. It's, it's going to say, radio host in Kentucky calls Willie Cauley-Stein a queen. Uh, he's he's your queen piece, though. He can do it all. He can do everything, but you only have one of them. So where do you put them? What do you do with them? And I, and I think the answer is Sam Decker for Willie Cauley-Stein. I think you try to make things as uncomfortable as possible for Decker. Uh, there's going to be a ton of screens. There's going to be a ton of switches. Uh, everybody's really going to get their chance to guard Decker, and I promise you that. There's going to be times that the Harrisons are stuck on him. There's going to be times that Lyles is stuck on him. Uh, but I think if you're UK, you do everything you can to make sure that Willie Cauley-Stein's the main guy guarding him uh, for the duration of the game because his length is really going to bother him. Simple as that. We're going to head to commercial break here on 1450, the Sports Buzz. When we come back, we're going to have Jeff Rabjohns on. We'll talk about the McDonald's All-American game, recruiting, uh, and what to do in Indianapolis for the Kentucky fans heading up north this weekend for the Final Four. So stick around. We will be right back. Not a five for my money. So on the weekend comes, I go get live with the honey. Rolling down the street. I saw this girl when she was pumping. I winked my eyes, got into the ride, went to a club. With By a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> Thursday before the final four, 1450, the sport buzz. Game would take place in Indianapolis. Nobody knows Indy better than Rivals.com. Jeff Rabjohns. 
What's it go? What's going on, Rab Johns? Hey, man, just watching more basketball. Uh, it was a great week, obviously, in Chicago, watching all the workouts, scrimmages, practices. Uh, you know, the game's entertaining, but the game's a show. But uh, it was a really, really good week. Got to see uh, an awful lot of guys play at a high level, and uh, now we've got uh, some good stuff going on with the uh, Dix High School Nationals uh, on uh, ESPNU today. Yeah, I see that's going on now. And, and uh, I was – I don't think I've told you this story, Rab Johns, but I told it over the air, but I might have left this part out. But when I was in Paducah covering a basketball tournament about two weeks ago, I think Thon Maker was down there and there's some other guys. Uh, Tom Green was down there and uh, you cover Indiana athletics. And we had just gotten off the phone, me and you, and, and we were talking and uh, Crean walked by and, and I, I think I said hello because we made eye contact. And uh, I said that I, I worked for rivals and, uh, and he was like, "Oh, that's good. I like rivals." And I was like, "Yeah. Do you know? Do you know Rab Johns?" And he said, "Oh, yeah. I know. I know Rab Johns." And I said, "Yeah, John Rab Johns and I we 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 talk a lot." And he was like, "John, you mean Jeff?" And I was like, "I was so embarrassed that I I, I to Tom Green got your got your first name wrong." And I've known you now for three and a half years, three years. Uh, it was just a I slipped my mind. I was totally embarrassed, but he was very very nice about it. So let's start there before we talk about basketball recruiting, because you cover Indiana. It looks like Tom Crean's going to be back for, for another season. Is that accurate? Uh, it certainly looks like it. And nobody's come out and said it in definitive tones, um, but uh, the AD has come out publicly three times in support of Crean. Uh, there hasn't been any movement yet. Um, so unless something crazy happens, uh, I would anticipate Crean returning, but you know, with with coaching and coaching dominoes and decisions coaches make and don't make, meaning guys do move and some guys don't. I like Greg Marshall. Um, you know, I've I learned a long time ago to wait until all the dominoes stop falling before you state anything with a hundred percent certainty in coaching change world. But I would say at this point, most signs certainly point to Crean returning, um, and and certainly if. If some of the uh, current players who are thinking about the NBA return and IU adds a post player, uh, they've obviously got a good chance of doing that in Thomas Bryant, uh, then certainly Indiana's team next year could look significantly different than it looked this past year. And that was kind of the sense that I got is maybe to an extent they're waiting to make a decision on Tom Crean based on the decision of maybe some of these recruits. Thon Maker is planning on reclassifying. That's been... Uh, kind of iffy, but that's that's his plan. Uh, Indiana's in a good spot with him. They're certainly in a really good spot with Thomas Bryant, with Bryant this week saying that he hasn't heard from Kentucky or Syracuse in a few months, so that would just leave Indiana or Missouri. Uh, is there some maybe truth to waiting to see if Indiana can add some of these elite recruits before making a final decision on Tom Crean for this season? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think I think Indiana's decision is made from an institutional standpoint. In Indiana, as an institution, uh, believes Tom Crean has done enough to to earn at least another year. Um, so I think the only thing that would happen is if, for some reason, somebody were able to make a pitch and lure Crean away. I don't think Indiana. I'm very certain Indiana, as an institution, uh, is not going to fire him. And I'm very certain Indiana, at the institutional level, is not making a decision based upon what recruits may or may not decide. 
Interesting. So, so what you're saying is that Indiana's okay uh, has okayed the idea of Tom Crean coming back, but if Tom Crean feels maybe some pressure and some heat to go somewhere else, he takes that job. Kind of reminds me of Tubby Smith when he left Kentucky. He wasn't fired by UK. He left on his own to go to Minnesota, but man, there was a lot of pressure for him uh, to get out of town, no doubt about it. Uh, you were in Chicago this week, as was I. Who jumped out at you as maybe the most impressive player out of a, a very impressive group of guys throughout practices and in the game last night at the McDonald's All-American? Well, I really thought uh, Ben Simmons certainly played like the number one player in the country should play, particularly in, in the practices. He was terrific. Uh, he, he's unbelievably skilled. He's six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, I guess we'll, we'll get formal listings here in a little bit, but we'll just go to the roster height here for the moment. He's six nine. Uh, I don't know what position on the basketball court he can't play, TJ. Uh, there, there were times in workouts where he brought the ball up the court and looked like a point guard. Uh, there were times he was playing post defense. Uh, he, he is, he's certainly the most versatile guy in the class. Now, he's a guy you can actually put in various spots on the floor and ask him to do something to either get you a basket or help prevent a basket. So he, he was terrific. I thought Brandon Ingram's consistent perimeter shooting clearly was a major storyline. Uh, there was one time in one of the workouts, by my count, he hit eight shots in a row from the perimeter. Not all threes, but all perimeter shots. Uh, he had another time where he was, they were going through a drill, uh, and, and I think he hit like 13 or 14 threes in a row. Uh, his perimeter shooting was very good. Uh, Chiki Allo's activity was, was really good. Uh, Thomas Bryant's ability to run the floor and be productive running the floor, that was something that I haven't seen him do at, at this level very much. He did a little bit here and there with his high school team, maybe when they were playing somebody who was over, maybe a little overmatched. But he was running the floor against guys like Cheek Diallo, Diamond Stone, that level of player. Uh, so that kind of jumped out to me. And another thing that I, that I noticed is Diamond Stone is the best pure post player in the class as far as playing with power and simply telling the guy, go stick your big body on the low block, clear space, we're going to throw it to you and do something with it. Uh, so those are among the guys who really, I think, jumped out at me. Um, and, and I would put Jalen Brown in there as well. You know, he, he had he had really good workouts. It there was, and the game itself, I think people often put too much stock in it. But the practices, that's kind of the meat of the week, at least for me. I think that's when you really see players. Uh, at their best, or you can find out if they can actually play at that level against some other big guys. Uh, it, that's the that's the most entertaining part for me. Uh, Thomas Bryant, he was a really fun guy to watch, and, and his motor and how uh, how aggressive and how physical and how hard he plays. Now, again, I, I mentioned earlier in the show today that he's down to Indiana, Syracuse, Kentucky, Missouri, but hasn't necessarily heard much from Kentucky or Syracuse lately, especially with Syracuse and the NCAA stuff going on. Uh, what are you hearing about his chances ending up being a Hoosier uh, and joining Tom Crean in Bloomington? Based on everything I was able to gather uh, at McDonald's week and talking to some other people, you know, I, I think Indiana's got a very good chance. I'm not too sure I'd come out and just straight predict that, but as things sit right now, Indiana does have a very good chance. Um, there were some reports, I don't know, a month or so ago that, you know, it was a two-team race, Indiana and Kentucky, and I was told that that's not really the situation. And I think from Thomas's comments, you know, to you, to me, uh, both of us up here, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it was ever a two-team race. Um, but I think at this point, Indiana's got a really good chance to land it. 
I, I think they do too. And I, I do think there's, you know, Thomas Bryant obviously has to be attracted to Kentucky or else, you know, why not cut a team off your list if you haven't heard from him for a while? So I, I'm curious to see if Kentucky maybe makes a, a run at him if they miss on somebody else. I don't know. There's a lot of dominoes left to fall in this class, but people are going to start committing soon. So sure. we'll, we'll, we'll learn one way or the other. Uh, and, and before we let you go, there's a few final four questions I want to ask you. I think we had you on this time la or, uh, last year for the regional, and, and you kind of gave me some of the hot spots that fans should go to. Let's revisit that conversation. Where should Final Four basketball fans maybe get a drink or a bite to eat around Lucas Oil Stadium before heading into the Final Four this weekend? Well, I mean, the great thing is if you're at the Final Four, park your car your hotel, and so much is within walking distance. I and mean, You don't need to drive anywhere. You really don't even need a cab to go anywhere. Obviously, St. Elmo's is, is terrific. That would be you know a place you put at the top of your list. Uh, the shrimp cocktail is famous. If you get the shrimp cocktail sauce, it's not hot. It's searing hot, okay? But don't don't get all macho and go, I'm going to get a big bite of this. Um, it will not be pleasant for your mouth. Um, but it is really tasty. It is famous. The steaks are unbelievable. Um, and I don't know if, uh, if your listeners, you know, enjoy, you know, wines that really match a steak or not. But if you do... St. Elmo's has got really good reds that match the steaks. I mean, it's really good. Um, Scotty's, Scotty's Blue House is uh, sort of right there in that same area. It's got a great outside area. I think the weather's going to allow for, you know, sitting outside. Um, but it's also got a big interior. Um, so I would certainly uh, go there. Um, if you're in the older crowd and you want a place where you can go sit and have a cognac and have a cigar maybe or something like that, uh, go to Nikki Blaine's. That's a really cool place. You walk in the doors, you go right down the stairs. The place is, you know, uh, like in the basement, but it's a very cool, uh, you know, cigar bar kind of feel. Uh, it's a great place to go get a drink, even if you don't like cigars, because they've got that ventilation system that pulls the air from one side, the non-smoking side, through the other side. So if you're sitting in the non-smoking side, you wouldn't even know you're in a cigar bar. Uh, so those are some of the cooler places. Those are some of the fun places to go. Um, and then again, if you, uh, if, if you, if you ride in Indy, just, just park your car and if you walk and you, if you walk a block and you don't see something you like, walk another block, there's going to be another six, eight choices right there. Uh, Indy is a, a fun town, a great town to eat, drink and, and watch high level sports. You've watched a lot of Big Ten this year, obviously covering Indiana. Uh, you've watched a lot of basketball. If you've turned on the TV, you've probably seen Kentucky play, and you've certainly probably seen Duke as well. Uh, give me your take for the Final Four, and ultimately, who do you see cutting down the nets in Indianapolis? Well, I, I, think, I think Wisconsin's one of the teams we all look at and say, if there's somebody who's going to be able to take a big swing at Kentucky, uh, they're, they're certainly on the list. Um, and then they were on my list early because when you watch Kentucky, you know, some people would say things like, well, if, if you've got three-point shooters, you can beat them. And I didn't think that was quite accurate, or I, th I thought that was at least incomplete because say you've got a big guy who can shoot threes. Well, Kentucky can put Willie on him. Willie can go outside and guard the perimeter. He can move block to the three-point line. So it's not like just dragging, you know, Willie out there takes him out of what Kentucky does defensively. I think what you've got to do, what you've got to have, is you've got to have guys who can make perimeter shots and can drive the ball to both score and pass. Um, you know, Notre Dame had a couple of those, and Jerry and Grant and, 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 and Connaughton. And uh, Wisconsin does have two of those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in Decker uh, and Kaminsky. So Wisconsin has the kind of pieces that you need 
to have a chance against Kentucky. But I still think you look at the four teams that are in the Final Four, you still need Kentucky to be a little bit off, uh, and you need to be terrific. Um, I think if Kentucky plays its game, uh, you know, if everybody in the Final Four plays their A game, <coughs> excuse me, TJ, uh, Kentucky wins. But I do think Wisconsin has the pieces to give them a shot. I think Michigan State has been a terrific run, had a terrific run. I think they're the best story of the Final Four outside of Kentucky going for perfection. Uh, but I think it's going to be really tough for Michigan State uh, to be able to get past Duke. The thing I wonder about is this. Michigan State hasn't run a lot of pick-and-roll stuff yet, but they have a guy in Travis Trice who can do that. The one thing that Jaleel Okafor is not good at is defending pick-and-rolls. He doesn't really show hard. He doesn't show and turn with that extra step. I wonder, does Tom Izzo look at that and go, you know what, we haven't done it a lot, but we're going to give it a shot. Because Izzo was willing to, going into that Virginia game, change away from some things defensively that he believes in and do things differently to keep some of Wisconsin's middle penetration out of there. Uh, so I wonder if Izzo... Trevor, it sounded like we might have lost Rab Jones. I think we did. Yeah, that sounded like a phone going out. It, 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 you heard the click and everything. And obviously I don't think he hung up on us unless he was very, very... In the middle of his own sentence? Unless he planned that out where he was like, you know what, I don't want to be on the phone super long, so somewhere towards the end I'm going to be lost in conversation. I'm just going to hit it, and they won't be able to, to, to blame me for hanging up. I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear his final predictions. I'll call so, him right back. Do you want me to call him back, or do you? No, no. It, I mean, we were. I was. About to go this to break. was it anyway, so it's okay. Do you, want me, uh, do you want me to call him and ask him, and then I'll just tell you after the break what he says? No, he's actually texting me now, uh, I, and he might. I he's watching basketball. You know, he said signal cut out. Sorry about that. I don't know. Me, I'm starting to think maybe he did that on purpose. <laughs> I think that was just a really sneaky move on his part, where he was like, you know, what, I'm going to talk. I know I'm probably going to be on for about 15 or 17 minutes, but right around that 14 minute mark, that's it for me. Uh, and he cuts out. But, no, great stuff from Rab John. Normally I agree with you, but Jeff's such a nice guy, even though you did forget his name. Uh, he, I, I, I couldn't imagine. his name. I had a, a brain fart. It wasn't a – it's not like I don't know who Jeff Rab John's is. I just I, – I got – for some reason I got nervous in front of Tom Cree. Do, do you do like I do? I heard you calling him Rab John's instead of Jeff. Do you do like I do where if someone has a common first name, I have a tendency, not even really realizing I do it, I call him by their last name only? Um, I don't, you know, I do call some people by their rap last names, but I don't, I only do it to people who have common first names like Yates. I call, I've never called him Dave or David and it's a very common first name. I've always just called him Yates. No, I, I don't think I do it based on that. It's just maybe if they have a catchy last name, I don't know. Some people I do it for, some people I don't, maybe it's just based on who, uh, they, what other people call them. I don't know. Yeah. I haven't really noticed that, but Rab John's is kind of a fun last name. So that's why it I is. call him Rab John's. Uh, but anyway, so it seemed like, I don't know if he was picking UK to cut down the nets, said if every team played their best game, Kentucky's best game is better than everybody else. I agree with that. I think that much is easy. Kentucky, if they're playing the best they can play, they can't be beaten. Uh, but that's not the way it works. That's not the way basketball works. I will say that I think Kentucky's fortunate to be playing Wisconsin and Lucas Oil because I think it's tougher to shoot in football stadiums. It is tougher to shoot. That's not, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. So I think Kentucky's catching a little bit of a break there. I don't think, Trevor, maybe I haven't been listening to the right stations or the right people. I don't think people are 
talking enough about a potential Mich- Michigan State upset because I think that could very well happen. It could, and I, I guess they played Duke, I, I guess, close early in the season. I think they, they lost by 10. I don't know how close you would consider that, but being the fact that Michigan State was supposed to be so much farther behind Duke in terms of talent, I guess it's playing him close in that aspect. I, you never want to count it, but Izzo, he changes. You don't want to count him out getting to the Final Four, but in six Final Fours, he's only won two semifinal games. So he, he And a lot of times it's basically because he's taken a team that's probably less talented into the Final Four and just kind of ran out of gas. You know how I feel about Duke's guards, so I, I'd be hard – I'd be – Ridiculous to say I don't think they have a shot, but I really do think Duke's going to win the game. I, I mean, if I had to guess and, and bet on it, I, well, unless I was betting the spread, if I had to you know, bet on the money line or pick who I think would probably advance, it'd probably be Duke. But this is the best team of the tournament that Duke has faced. Uh, they're a style that can – Michigan State plays a style that's going to bother Duke. They're going to be very aggressive. They're going to be very physical. They're not going to make anything easy for Okafor. They're going to be sure to close out if they double down when they kick it back out to the perimeter. They're going to be sure to get back out there. They're going to do everything that you have to do to beat Duke. Now, the big question is, do they have enough talent to pull it out? That's a fair question. Does I'm not Brandon sure. Dawson show up like he did against Louisville? I, I think it's going to be close. I and if I was Duke, I probably have been rooting for Louisville. And no dis, no disrespect to Louisville, they were a great team, but a much tougher matchup, uh, an easier matchup for Duke than Michigan State well, will be in my opinion. They dismantled ahead. Louisville earlier this year, so I can imagine. I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't what they were hoping for. In the Yump Center as well. Yes, uh, we're going to head to commercial break. Stick around here on fourteen fifty. The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. Now, back to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. It's whoever, not whomever. Not it's whomever. No, whomever is never actually right. No, sometimes it's right. Michael is right. It's a made-up word used to trick students. Funny, funny office quote, and one that I that holds true to me. I don't know the difference between whom and who and when to use it. And this is something coming from somebody that majored in journalism, writes every day of my life, uh, pretty good at, was pretty always pretty good at English in school. That one, I, I just, I don't really know. I, I have an idea, but I don't really know. Didn't you hear Creed? It's a made-up word used to trick students. It's not real. I, I, I wish that was true. Unfortunately, it is It is. It is true, and sometimes people will correct me on it. And I like to correct people if you don't know the difference between your and your as in you are or your that, as in. That's the most common social network. In so, it, it, people get it gets under people's skin, I guess. When people it makes do that. me so. It makes me so bothered. And, I, and some people don't do it because they're just lazy. But even if you were lazy and you were just continuing to misspell a word. I don't. I don't get how people don't don't fix it or don't do it. And I think I don't. And I think a lot of people just don't know. You have to look at. You have to take it in context of what the other rest of the tweet or post says. Like if they use that type of shorthand uh, script that using text that was only really relevant when 
you know, we didn't have whole keypads, but we still completely use it because as, as a society, we're just lazy. Uh, then you would, I would say, I wouldn't get mad about using your and your, the, the difference, you know, not adding the re at the end because apparently the rest of their post is broken up English of some kind of lost society anyway. Uh, it's still, I don't know. I always but, screw up then and then when, whether to use the e or an a. I always mess that one up. That one is, I, I, I'm, I've got that one pretty down for the most part. Uh, that one's easy to me. The, but the your and your are the ones that bug me the most. Even the different twos, as in. The number two or T O O, yeah T O O. That one I understand. I, you know I get that one. I get that. I can understand if people don't. Uh, it is the weather outside has been nasty. It's been nasty throughout the show. I think the rain maybe is finally starting to let up. So you wouldn't think it'd be a good day to play golf, but it's going to be prettier uh, certainly this weekend and certainly in the next week. It's uh, spring is here and there's not a better time to get out there on the course. So as you've already heard, the 2015 Sports Buzz golf card is out, and you need to get it before they run out because it is going to run out. I know they've been selling uh, more and more each day. You can play at Cherry Run, Polo Fields, Heritage Hill, Woodhaven Country Club, Elks Run, and Valley View. Under $25 around uh, 2015 Sports Buzz golf card. Some of them, as I've said before, they're private. There's no way you're gonna let they're gonna let you on, even if you say you're a listener to the sports soccer with TJ Walker. That won't cut it unless you've got the card. Then they'll let you on in a chariot run. They're gonna throw in range balls to get you nice and warmed up before the round and a few and a free drink. So when things kind of start heading south, uh, that'll help ease the pain for you a little bit. You can go to 1450thesportsbuzz.com backslash golf card or call 812-725. 1457. There's not a better deal in town if you're a golfer. I can promise you that. Uh, So make sure you do that. We have operators available 24 7, though, no matter what time call. (laughs) Exactly. No matter what time, give them them a ring. Uh, Anyways, we're going to have to take another break here in a little bit. But did you get a chance, Trevor, to read the Jerry Tipton? article on rex chapman and calling the team stream game i did not uh once you uh let, inform me about it okay so he, he caught up with with rex chapman and i and i was pretty tough on rex yesterday uh so rex chapman has been spending the last few months in rehab for pain pill uh, addiction it hasn't been a good few months for him. Uh, he, he basically said he doesn't really remember stealing the merchandise because he'd be in kind of a, in a pain pill bender. Everything is kind of hazy. So he's been in rehab. He's been in different rehab facilities uh, trying to get better. He says he feels great. He's never felt as good in his life. He's lost a lot of weight. Uh, so he, he's doing better, and that's great to hear. Uh, I, I had known, obviously, about the pain pills I had known about him being in rehab. Uh, obviously, I didn't know how it was going because there was no update, and finally we get an update. So let me, and I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because what he did, and again, I think it's kind of silly that UK fans won't forgive him for the tweet he sent. You know, he made a mistake. It's a tweet. Who really cares? Uh, I, I, I think, and he doesn't owe UK fans or or Big Blue Nation, anything. He doesn't really even owe them an apology. If he wants to, that's fine. The thing that bothered me was that he 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 did kind of go quiet. Again, he didn't have to say anything, but I think he knew that he was not a very likable guy. 
he had done things that had made people upset and nobody really heard from him for a really long time. So it kind of seemed like that he was trying to escape his problems. Now in hindsight, he might've just been in rehab focusing on getting himself better. And that's a hundred percent what he should be doing in that circumstance. But I, I think if he would have updated his, uh, his condition, what's going on with him, what's the latest, how he's doing, if he's getting better and in that kind of just, he just went missing for a long time. And it almost made it seem like he was trying to run away from his problems and and, and kind of forgetting about the fans and, and people that have been supportive of him his entire life. Uh, so I, I my only thing is I think he should have probably kept, at least checked in. Uh, and, you know, some people probably were worried about what happened to him. Some people didn't care and don't care about him right now. But it was a really well-written article by Jerry Tipton. Uh, I mean, I'm ex- I, I, I don't know if I'll listen to the team stream the entire game. I'm sure I'll tune in uh, for a little bit. I'm curious to see what he what what Rex Chapman has to say. Uh, but I am glad that he is getting the help that he needs. Said that John Calipari has visited him. Kenny Payne has visited him. Rick Pitino has visited him, and those are all good things to hear. So can Rex which, Chapman mend the bridges by giving I, a flattering performance on the uh, team cast? Well, I think a, a win, if UK can get two wins with him calling the game, I think UK fans will, uh, I think they'll be fine with, with no matter how he calls the game. If UK can win two games with him on the mic, I think people are going to be very happy about that. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I, I think this will be good for him and, and his, what people think of him in the public eye, as long as he doesn't go on there and say something stupid, which I'm sure he won't. He was entertaining. It, back when... He was tweeting, he was funny, he was informative, he would say what he wanted to, but again, he made a mistake, and then he kind of embarrassed a lot of UK fans by stealing. A lot of UK fans consider him his favorite player. So I think a lot of UK fans were hurt by that, and then you just didn't hear from him for the longest time while he was getting help, and that's fine. I understand that, but it was just kind of weird to see his name pop up for the team stream. So hope he's hope for the best with Rex Chapman. We're going to take a, a quick commercial break. Uh, and we'll be back here in a little bit. Later on in the show today, we're going to have, uh, just for a brief time, we're going to have EJ Clark on, and he's the host of Kentucky's Winter Circle, uh, and we're going to ask him a few questions. Keeneland opens up this weekend. It's going to be a, uh, a fun weekend in the Bluegrass. I'm pretty sure the Bluegrass Stakes are this weekend. Derby, not too far away either. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. The Zen philosopher Basho once wrote, A flute with no holes is not a flute. And a donut with no hole is a Danish. He's a funny guy. So, supposedly... I-65 is shut down in Louisville because 
Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, and Air Force One just landed, and they decided to shut down the entire interstate while it's rush hour. Uh, there are tons of tweets. I've gotten even a few texts. People stuck in traffic. They're not happy about it. Can you explain to me why? Why what? You would need to shut down the entire expressway if a plane is landing? I guess you can't. It's safety. Do they, you, they, you, they think someone's going to do a Fast and Furious 8 and hit a ramp and then attack the plane? Well, Fast and Furious 8, they would probably just drop planes out of, or cars out of planes and have them parachute where they wanted to. Well, that, no, that's in seven. We've got to up it. We got to up the ante in eight. We got to make it more impressive. Eight, Every, they get cars that can go underwater, uh, and you know, with the Ohio, you don't really have to worry about that too much here. So that's probably that's probably the next level, of Fast and the Furious. Okay, but I I do. I mean, there's something I was going to say, Trevor. Now now you made me forget something with Barack Obama being in Louisville. He's the uh, president in Louisville. The president is Louisville, which is actually pretty cool. And also, he could be listening to the show. Maybe he's getting in his one of the nine black SUVs that they're going to have waiting for him. And maybe he's like, let's put on some local sports talk radio. And they turn the dial over to 1450, the sports buzz, and he's listening. Uh, so, Barack Obama, if you want to call in, 502-384-1450. Uh, you just can- set yourself open for a prank call, by the way. Oh, no, no. We'd need people to be listening for that, but uh, that's okay. Uh, Captain Art tweets in about biggest pet peeves with grammar and the English language. He hates it when people end a sentence in prepositions. I do that from time to time, and even in my writing, and, and whenever I notice it, I'll change it, but I'm, I'm, I do it from time to time, Captain Art. I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's, that's, that's, that's my bad. Clay V116 texting the show, and he says it's probably uh, – they're probably listening to the sports talker on 1450 uh, during his m- motorcade, uh, which is uh, – that's that's nice. Thanks, Clay B116. Anyways, so – I know Nick Coffey, who comes up after you, uh, did send me a message says he's leaving work early in fear of getting here on time to get on the show because of the uh, traffic being caused. Well, that's, uh, that's smart of Nick Coffey to do that. His show inside the press box comes on after mine. Uh, uh, okay, so Captain Arctic mentioned this earlier in the show today in a tweet. So the Cats Illustrated podcast, I predicted – Wisconsin to beat Kentucky. And as of right now, that's my prediction. And we're not sure if we're going to be able to do a show tomorrow. If we do, it's only going to be probably a 30-minute show. So it would be short, but scheduling, it it might not work out. So just follow my Twitter for whether or not we do that show or not. But so now it's not – I'm not – we're going to have more time to maybe talk predictions later in the show. We do have – we're going to have to talk some horse racing here in a few minutes with – E.J. Clark, uh, but we, we may be able to do more predictions later on. But here's the, here's the thing. I think Kentucky is better, Wisconsin. I th- like I said earlier, if both teams play their best game, I think Kentucky will win. But I, I just I, – I think the Notre Dame game was – and we've talked about blueprints to beat Kentucky time after time. But I, I think it showed that Kentucky's not – 
as good as an on-ball defending team as maybe we thought. Uh, they can get lost on defense. I think Wisconsin's going to do a lot of that stuff because that's stuff that they've been doing all season. And I think eventually just the clock has to strike midnight on this team, or so you think, or at least so I think. A lot of people have been saying, well, no, no, I disagree. I think their close game, their game to lose was Notre Dame. Now that they got through that, they're going to be fine. Maybe so. And I'd love nothing more than to be wrong with this prediction. Uh, but I predict what I feel. And I genuinely feel that uh, in a very, very close, a very, very tight game, one way or the other, I think Wisconsin pulls out a very uh, it might it might be a heartbreaking loss for Kentucky. I don't know. Again, I'm hope I I'm hope I'm wrong. And Captain Arctic says that uh, he he's the only reason that he uh, he doesn't like me making that prediction is because I'm usually right, uh, which that's not necessarily true. But it, it that's just I go with the gut, and that could change. Once we get up into Saturday night, that could change. And if it does, I'll be sure to tweet it out maybe to make some of you. Now, TJ, you you're not one of those those fans who always picks the other team as like the reverse psychology thing. I got, I won't. I have a buddy who is a big Louisville fan. He's a big Giants fan, and we, and me being an Eagles fan, we talk trash through the season all year long. And he, that's not annoying, but it can be every time the Giants come up. It's always oh, suck. We we're going to lose. We're going to lose. And he does it with everything. Is kind of that reverse type attitude. All right, you're not one of those people, are you? I've got a few Louisville fans that do that. And I even know a Kentucky guy that does that. I'm not that. I, I've predicted every single game before UK's play that UK would win. Every last one of them up to this point. Okay. Just this one I'm pretty I'm, – I, I think Wisconsin may win. I, I think as of today, that's how I'm feeling. And as Captain Arctic says, there's still time for you to change your prediction. And there is. I go on gut feel. So that can change certainly into Saturday. Uh, so Barack Obama has landed. Uh, Trevor, let me know when we get EJ Clark on the phone. We'll and have we'll him go. just shortly. I'm going to get in contact with him now. All right, and we'll talk to him. Uh, we've talked about the keys of the game and, and what Kentucky has to do, uh, what Wisconsin has to do. It's just, you know, if you remember that game last year, I'm not going to blame. I'm not. I'm not pre. Uh, I'm not assuming that the refs are going to be bad on Saturday. But if you remember the Final Four game last year, they weren't great. The only reason Aaron Harrison's unbelievable three happened was because they made this bogus call on a three for Wisconsin that was just it wasn't a, it wasn't the best officiated game. I, I think Wisconsin's the type of team and the style of play they play. You, you get more calls for whatever reason. Frank Kaminsky gets a lot of calls that maybe he doesn't deserve. I think that might backfire against Kentucky tomorrow. I, I could be wrong. Something else I wanted to get to, uh, you know, I used to always say an hour wasn't enough time. Well, now maybe an hour and a half isn't enough time. Bob Knight's contract won't be renewed by ESPN, so his game-calling days uh, on ESPN Network are likely over, it seems like. I think he might be calling the NIT championship game tonight, and then after that I think he's done. EJ Clark, who's going to come on and talk a little horse racing with us, he's he's going to have to – it's going to – be postponed for a few minutes so it's gonna be four or five minutes i could not be happier about the bob knight news and i don't know about you trevor but he back when he started doing calling games in 2008 he's still obviously very biased he was still kind of grumpy he was still an old man but when he would get down to the nuts and bolts of the game and call and talk basketball talk x's and o's sometimes he would predict what plays would happen 
moments just before they'd happen. He'd say, this is this guy's going to go here, that guy's going to go here, and then they're going to do this. And then sure enough, that would happen. And I he, agree. He, and I, I'm sorry, go on. I'm apologizing. He was, he was great. And when it comes to X's and O's, he was fantastic. But as he went on, it just got worse and worse. The game started to pass him by. I think he genuinely was confused in some situations, didn't know what was going on. And he still had that grumpy kind of jerk feel to him. So if he doesn't know what he's talking about and he can't talk X's and O's anymore, then it's about time ESPN kind of put him to the side. Yet still Dick Vitale has a job and gets some of the bigger games on the program. Uh, I agree. I like I like Bobby Knight. I understand that most UK fans are probably happy to see this because they don't like Bobby Knight, and I understand why you wouldn't like Bobby Knight without having even a reasonable reason, even though you do. But I, I agree with you. When he did do the X's and O's things, it was it was interesting to hear. It's kind of like I don't mind. I'm in a minority about this with a lot of people, but even though I shouldn't say it because we have him on our airways now. But uh, Doug Gottlieb, I always I don't I know he can be kind of a kind of a tool, but I always enjoy. I always felt like he knew what he was talking about. That's why I didn't mind listening to his radio show before and now that we have it on our airwaves as well as him breaking down games. Bobby Knight kind of the same way. He can be kind of toolish. But he knew what he was talking about. But at this age, he is, what is he, 90? I mean, he's got to be getting up there. I mean, 76. Okay. So, he looks no. like he's 90. All right. He looks, he, so he doesn't look good. <laughs> that being said, yeah, it's, it has gotten by the game moves so fast. And by the time he's talking about a play, we're, we're three plays down the road. And it, it's almost like irrelevant to even hear what his opinion was at that point. It's like me tweeting during a game. I'm so slow at typing that if I try to tweet something during a game about re- referencing a play that just occurred, by the time I get the proper English, and that's probably not even a guarantee, and get it typed and tweeted, it's like four plays later and completely irrelevant. That's why I yeah, don't tweet during games. He, he, he is only 76. Uh, my grandma just turned 92 and looks much better than Bob Knight does at 76. He's and, probably more coherent than he is as well. And he's always been grumpy. He, he has always been grumpy. Uh, he's getting to a point maybe where he's a little senile now. Uh, he, he, there's a time he refused to say the word Kentucky for whatever reason. I found that funny, by the way. <laughs> it, it's just, it's bitter. It's, he's calling, it he, he called a lot of SEC games too. Uh, and then there's a time he didn't know what the shot clock was. He couldn't understand the difference between the shot clock and the game clock. Uh, and then obviously this year he's yelling at college kids behind him. <laughs> That are that are cheering and, and bumping into. He holds grudges too. I mean, he did, he was bitter at Mike Shostesky, a guy he was a mentor to for years, almost decades, because he lost to him in one Final Four in '92. And, and Captain Arctic tweets in that if uh, if Kentucky goes forty, no, it's really going to bug him, and that is an understatement. You know that he doesn't really know what's going on. He probably couldn't name but three or four players in the Final Four. But if Kentucky were to go undefeated, that would be kind of the last thing maybe that he's holding on to when it comes to sports in his life. Now, you know, I'm sure he's got family that cares about him and loves him and does this and that. And, you know, maybe maybe he's a good guy when he's not being so grumpy and such a jerk. Uh, but when it comes to sports, that's his last accomplishment that he's got going for him. And if Kentucky takes that away, then, oh, man, it might not be a, a great last few 10 to 20 years. He's got for a pretty Knight. good resume. I mean, he does have three national titles. I know the perfect season is a nice thing yeah. to hang your hat on, but he but, still does have it. 
now he's, he doesn't lead the, the nation in wins. It, it, there's this and that. Indiana's kind of fallen. What he built at Indiana has completely collapsed. Uh, it's, it's not pretty. Let's, let's switch gears. We'll get back to Bob Knight. But let's switch gears here for a second because uh, Keeneland opens this weekend, the most beautiful racetrack in the country. Uh, it's going to be a great week, and we're not too far away from Derby. Basketball's heating up in the bluegrass, but but horse racing is too. And we've got EJ Clark on, host of Kentucky Winner's Circle. EJ, how are you? We're doing great. Doing great. So we got, how are you guys doing today? We're doing fantastic. It, it's, uh, it looks like the rain maybe has passed, and, and, and it's going to be a I great I just drove through some very, very heavy, thundery conditions just a while ago. So, yeah. Well, Inside we'll be now. safe. We'll be safe. We're glad that you were able to call in and uh, and talk to us a little bit about what's going on. So, talk to me uh, the the Bluegrass Stakes this weekend in Keeneland. What what are what's what are the biggest storylines there? Well, obviously, Carpe DM, who. Um, has only had one start, and that was a very impressive performance uh, as a three-year-old in the Tampa Bay Derby. He is the even-money favorite. Mike Battaglia has made him the even-money favorite, and that's uh, uh, he's you know sticking out above this field. It's uh, it's it's a it's a competitive field. Now let's let's be clear that even though he's the even-money favorite, that uh, uh, certainly. Uh, winning the Breeders' Futurity like he did uh, last year at Keeneland and running second in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, We know he likes the track at Keeneland, so uh, that's, uh, you know, that's a big part of the storyline for for, uh, Carpe Diem. He's one of the uh, list of horses trained by Todd Pletcher, even though he lost a couple here in the last few weeks. uh, and, And most recently, a horse by the name of Far From Over, who was training up in New York. Uh, he still could possibly have five or six horses in the Kentucky Derby. That's pretty impressive, and Carpe DM is one of his best. That that's, That is something to keep an eye on. It's going to be a fun weekend out at Keeneland. I think the weather is going to cooperate. We've also got the Santa Anita Derby this weekend, and that's kind of when the nation... Uh, maybe the average horse racing fans. I know the experts probably knew about him long before then, but California Chrome, that's when everybody got to know him last year as he cruised to an easy Santa Anita Derby win. Uh, What's the storylines out there? Well, one of the biggest storylines, of course, is Bob Baffert's Dorkman. He's five for five. He's unbeaten. Uh, He's come through every time. This is a big, imposing horse that they're they're likening him or comparing him to uh, a horse that Bob Baffert won the, the Preakness and the Belmont with, who was a favorite for the Kentucky Derby, and that's point given. And Dortmund's undefeated, and um, not going to run against his stablemate, which of course is American Pharaoh, who's running next week in the Arkansas Derby. Bob Baffert, but uh, you know you've got a you've got six horses at the Santa Anita Derby. You have seven headed by El Kabir in the Wood Memorial Stakes and eight at Keeneland and Lexington. So uh, we've got uh, 100 points on the line for the winners, 170 total qualifying points. So uh, these are the last. Uh, we're, we're getting down to the final preps here this weekend and, and a couple more next weekend. 
and it's like you said, it's it's shaping the Derby field is going to start shaping up, and it's certainly in these next two weeks. And you're going to have a, a show on 1450 The Sports Buzz tomorrow, two hour show. You're gonna it's a it's a horse racing special. You're going to be talking everything that you just mentioned now. Uh, and it's a, if you're a horse racing fan, it's a, it's a must listen to show. What else besides kind of what you've touched on today will you be touching on tomorrow uh, that maybe we missed? Oh, we'll be taking we'll be taking a much closer look at the, at all three fields for these Derby preps, and we'll also have uh, comments from uh, some of the connections at the post position draw at the Toyota Bluegrass, and uh, you know we'll be taking a look at the the races and and talking about some of the other Derby hopefuls. So uh, there'll be a lot of things to cover tomorrow and uh, next Friday as well. Well, it should be fun. Make sure you tune in uh, to EJ Clark's. Show tomorrow, Kentucky Winter Circle. Uh, it's it should be a good time. Thanks a lot for joining us, EJ. All right, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you again. Tomorrow, three to five. Uh, I'm going to step aside so you can listen to a little horse racing because it, it, we are gearing up. If not for the final four in Kentucky this weekend, that really is what the bluegrass's attention is on: is horse racing and the Derby, and uh, we're not too far away. Uh, had Tom text into the show uh, that he's not a big Bob Knight fan, and I can understand so. And uh, Bob, eventually, when Bob Knight, it might be after he he moves on and passes on. There's going to be there's going to be a documentary about him, and honestly, Trevor, I think it's going to be hard to kind of paint him in a positive light. Besides being able to be a successful basketball coach there for, for a few decades. Yeah, because everyone's going to remember Neil Reed, and, and they're going to rem- they're going to think about the, the salad bar incident of Texas Tech and, and, all and of course, the chair throwing. And, in fact, I still think he's wanted in Puerto Rico for slamming a cop into a trash can, if I'm not mistaken. But <laughs> uh, those things are going to be spotlighted because, one, society, we love the negative things, TJ. I mean, it's, it's obvious. We want to see negative and, you know, comeback stories and he doesn't have much of a comeback story to go with the negatives but it, i, I kind of I, I, it bothers me because i like bob knight i know you know he, wow. he has all the things and maybe because i'm not a kentucky fan i don't dislike him for being bob knight because i don't think there is one kentucky fan that does like bob knight but i've never had a problem with him and i'm kind of the, you know me i'm can, i can be kind of a hater and old school and i'm 35 going on 65 a little bit so i think that's why i've kind of always not really disliked bob knight and always kind of I don't want to say be a, be a fan of him, but don't dislike him. There are a lot of people that UK fans think hate UK. They, they're out to get Calipari. They hate UK. They do this and that, that I actually like and I think are good at their jobs, and I, I, I value their basketball insight. Are you talking about one particular name, by the way, in the New York area, or are you talking in general? No, I'm talking okay. in general. Okay. I'm talking in general. And there are some people that, that dislike John Calipari, and that's not a fact. But even some of those people, I like their There's I like some their, that hate Patino, too. So, I, mean. I like their opinions. Uh, but, but Bob Knight is one that I don't like his opinion anymore. He used to be good, but he's out of it. And it's a, it's a smart move by ESPN to put him, uh, put him on, the, on the shelf. Rob Blackhawk. Let me agree with this. you, by the way, and say yes. I, I think it is probably time to let him go, even though I do not dislike him. I just don't. I don't really like him. I, I wasn't a huge Digger Phelps fan, but I, I don't think Digger, Digger Phelps was kind of a jerk of a person. I think he was yeah. kind of a grouchy old man that, <laughs> you know, the game might have passed him by a little bit. But I, I've heard people that have met Digger Phelps and had great things to say. Haven't heard those same stories about Bob Knight, unless it's an Indiana fan who they worship the ground he walks on. Uh, Rob Blackhawk says 
sports talker listeners don't want to listen to hockey, so I guess I won't call in. I, You know, Rob, you called in yesterday. It was a good call. I appreciated it, but... I, I don't I don't want to talk hockey. I'm not going to talk hockey, especially just days before the Final Four. Is that season still going on, by the way? I thought they concluded yeah, that thing. Yeah, it's going on. Uh, and NBA's going on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we probably should talk about, but the focus is on basketball, and, and understandably so. Indianapolis is going to be in crazy, crazy atmosphere and environment on Saturday. Just around the city, there's going to be a buzz to it that you haven't seen in a Final Four you're going to get four very passionate fan bases, four fan bases that truly believe that they can cut down the nets, four fan bases that are going to travel well and be uh, close with within driving distance of Indianapolis. And they're all just going to find themselves in this city mixed together. You've got a storyline from each team. Obviously, Kentucky's 40-0 storyline is the biggest, and it's going to make for a – it's going to make for a special Saturday. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, take it all in. Uh, wherever you're watching the game, enjoy it, because I don't know if we're going to see a Final Four like this again. It, it makes me think back, and, and there has been there have been a lot worse Final Fours than this, but it makes me think back at 2011 when you had, uh, you had Kentucky and UConn, which were two good teams but certainly weren't the best teams in college basketball that year. But two big fan bases – uh, that was okay. On the other side, you had Butler and VCU for Pete's sake. I mean, just ridiculous. And all those down in Houston, uh, the, the stadium wasn't sold out. Uh, UConn brought 13 students. You could name them all by name if you got to know them. Uh, VCU and Butler didn't have huge showings. Kentucky brought a lot of fans, obviously. But uh, it's not like that this year. This is a huge, big exciting Final Four, so I hope everybody takes and appreciates it. Same with this Kentucky team. You're not going to see this team ever again, these guys on the court together ever again. You may never see a team 38-0 and ever again. So win or lose, and I am predicting UK to lose, but that's just my opinion right now, and I've been, I've been so wrong if you've listened to me forever, so uh, who knows. But even if they were to lose, take this all in, appreciate it, and, and if you're a college basketball fan, you just can't, you can't help but love the basketball that's going to be played this weekend because it's it, these are truly three of the best four teams in college basketball. Let, let me ask you one last question, TJ, before we get out of here. Kentucky clearly will have the most crowd. There's no doubt about it. They may have more than two, the top two combined. Who, in order, will have the uh, highest crowds from two, three, and four? It's it's really it's really really tough after Kentucky, and I don't think Kentucky's going to have this Nashville SEC tournament type of advantage, but they certainly but will have. They'll the dwarf the number two crowded team let's just be honest i mean let's, we know but it's really really tough to say uh wisconsin travels really well and they're not too far away michigan state travels really well yeah. and they're not too far away the only thing about michigan state fans is i i wonder if they you know i think every team thinks they can win the title but if one team doesn't then it's michigan state so i wonder if maybe their fans don't show up as much and they had a good showing in syracuse I would say Duke will have the second most fans there just because a lot of bandwagon Duke fans. You've got a lot that live in Chicago. You probably have some that live in Indy. Uh, you've got a bunch traveling just all throughout the, the Midwest. If you're a Duke fan, you're going to make it there, plus the ones from North Carolina that will make the drop. I think they'll have the second most fans there. I could be wrong. Um, I'm trying to go back and think of 2010, how many fans they had there. And I want to say they had the most outside of Butler, which Butler obviously in Indianapolis and also just a bunch of random people were rooting for Butler. Michigan State had a solid showing. Uh, West Virginia had a solid showing in, in 2010. I think two through four are going to be really even. Kentucky will have the most. 
Uh, if you can get in, enjoy it, take pictures, let me know that you're there, have, have a good time, and, and then hopefully – if we don't have a show tomorrow, we'll be able to talk about a national championship game involving Kentucky on, on the show Monday. So thanks for listening. Uh, if we do have a show tomorrow, I'll let you know as soon as possible. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TWalkerRivals. Thanks to EJ Clark for coming on, Jeff Rabjohns for coming on. As always, Trevor, it was fun to talk nonsense with you. Barack Obama, thanks for listening today. We will see you tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Enjoy your Thursday. Let me hear you say high time Sitting by the river Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my liquor Cause people always trying to tell me How to run my life When they say I'm going wrong And I swear I'm doing right uh. High time sitting by the river Got my old shotgun fishing pole in my liquor